0: So I think about what we're doing today, and if you have your Bibles there at your house, I want you to open them to the book of Proverbs chapter 24, because I think you should learn how to win while losing. I think America right now, as many would say, is in a state of loss, loss of jobs, loss of health, loss of hope for many Americans and many people around the world, what they're experiencing in Italy and across the globe, Iran. It seems like many people are losing. But I want to give you a spiritual principle this morning that I think will catapult you to the winner's circle on how you can win in life. In Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, it says, For a righteous man slash woman may fall seven times, but yet will rise again. You know, I think that's the spirit of the people of God, but I also think that's the spirit of America. I think America was founded on losing. Where the British had so much and America, with George Washington at the helm, had so little, it seemed like defeat was imminent. But through a series of prayer and battles, they won the victory. And they signed, for many young people don't realize today, they signed what was called a Mayflower Compact. And what that Mayflower Compact was where they they dedicated it and they made a covenant with God that God gave them a sweeping and an unexpected victory in the midst of losing. I think about Abraham Lincoln when he was battling this overwhelming defeat that seemed like America would be forever divided. And as a result of, of America being divided, he decided to get the ultimate victory by getting on his knees. And when he got on his knees, he began to pray. And he asked America, Americans from all walks of life to begin to fast and pray that God would heal America and America would be healed and he would sign the the Emancipation Proclamation and we would see such a sweeping victory in the midst of loss. How about in World War II when uh, when Israel was faced with annihilation, the people of Israel, I should say, because Hitler and the Third Reich was marching through Europe and taking out everybody on their way to world dominance. We see America rise to the occasion in the midst of loss, losing many parts of, of the European countryside, many parts of uh, many people dying and many lives lost, but the resolve of God's people in America comes back and brings the ultimate victory. Though you may be a person that has fallen seven times, I declare to you today, you shall rise again. Can I get an amen wherever you're watching today? So let, let's pray, because I have so much to say. I feel like today I'm like the mosquito that landed on the huge obese man. I know what to do. I just don't know where to get started. Some of you get that on the way to the refrigerator. Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you that it's a lamp and it's a light, and we're trusting you today to do what only you can do. Help us to win while we feel like we're losing. And Jesus' matchless name, and all God's men and women said, amen. Hey. Now let us know where you're watching today, and I want to encourage you tomorrow night, seven o'clock, we're going to be right back at it. I'm going to talk to us about how the end times are unfolding before our very eyes, a prophetic look at where we're at today on God's timetable, and it all has to do with Israel. You're going to see that in tomorrow's Bible study. But I want you to think about something this morning. I want you to think about how to get the, the wind column in the midst of so many L's, because so much of our life is really predicated upon losing. We lose loved ones. We lose this. We lose that. And so many times we focus on our losses and not our wins. You know, to be a great baseball player at the plate, to be a Babe Ruth, to be a Hank Aaron, you really have to have a lot of strikeouts. You have to have actually more strikeouts than you do home runs. It's how we win while we're losing even though we think we've lost something, we think we've lost some of our freedoms, we think we've lost some of our finances. Can I tell you, dear friend, no matter what you think you've lost, God can bring you the victory, a sweeping victory, when you submit your will for God's will. Because I think that's the ultimate thing. I have to stay in place because usually, I think every church member at Oasis Church should get a Fitbit when they come in the door. I think we should be moving and dancing and shaking our, our moneymaker, if you will. I think, some of you are laughing, even more. I think there's something so important about expressions to God, but I'm going to try to stay focused. I'm going to try to stay focused for you so you can hone in on what I'm going to tell you today, because I think a surrendered will is the most victory-laned prospect a man or a woman of God can get in. When you surrender your will for God's will, victories begin to happen. David said it in Psalms 40 verse 8. He said, I delight to do your will, oh God. And King David was a man that had many losses, but yet he was a man that was after God's own heart. Jesus said in John 4 and 34, my meat is to do the will of him who has sent me. Whose will? God's will. Jesus would have suffered the ultimate loss with his life at Calvary, but he would show you and I what it takes to be an ultimate winner by surrendering our will to God's will. Jesus said, I have come not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Our relationship with Jesus is really predicated upon one thing, doing God's will. That's how you win while you think you're losing. Matthew 12 verse 50 says, whosoever... And I know I'm talking to many whosoever's, whosoever does the will of my father, he is the same as my brother, my sister, and my mother. The point is this, if we're not doing God's will, we'll stay in the L column. But when we surrender our will to God's will, even though it means sometimes a loss, we ultimately gain. Because Jesus said, whoever loses his life for my sake will gain everlasting life. Can I get a witness wherever you're watching today? I think there's something so important about surrendering our will for God's will. Matthew 7.21 says, Not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, will inherit the kingdom of God, except he that does the will of my Father. That's why when you surrender your will to God's will, it's really a statement, if you will, that crucifies the God of our flesh, our own desires. We're, we're being called to quarantine ourselves, really quarantine our, our homes, our life, our flesh. And really, it's a great time of separation, separating what is not essential to separating what is eternal. And I think that's so important because when we surrender that, there becomes a great victory our way. In other words, when you surrender your will for God's will, it's a statement that crucifies this God of flesh Do you know there's within the heart of every person that's listening today this war that's going on? Uh, You know, some of you have already ate all your quarantine snacks first day out. I know how it works. You bought all this stuff, you bought all this and that, and you thought, this will last me for 17 weeks. And three hours later, it was all gone. Even the toilet paper. See, you didn't even get enough. And now we don't have enough because you've taken it all and you've used it, you little sorry Nellie you. But I think there's something so important about a surrendered will. When your flesh dies and your spirit comes alive, there's something so phenomenal when you die to that war that's going on it's our will versus God's will and your cross and my cross in this life it's really where God's will and our will intersect that's why the scriptures say crucify your will every day Crucified totally. Why? Because self-will is a spiritual cancer and it destroys you. That's when you start, as Pastor Tyon said, during that wonderful worship service. Wasn't that good, by the way? Harp, let us know how, how blessed you were by that worship today. That worship was off the chart. That was so good it ought to be illegal. But I think there's something so important about when you surrender your will for God's will. It's a statement because this war that's going on, it's, a, it's where our cross and God's, uh, and God's will intersect. That's why the scriptures are clear. Crucify your will every day. You have to crucify it totally. Why? Because self-will is a spiritual cancer. When you start to obey the Spirit of God, you start to lean in and do the will of the Father. Because when you start doing that, the, the the losses start to go to the wins and the victories. Your Ls start to go to Ws. West Side, it starts to go to Ws because you start to win when you surrender your will for God's will. You see, God has a perfect will for you, and if you don't choose it and rise higher in the midst of adversity, you'll never know what it's like to get out of that. loss column and get to the win column. In the game of life, life is not about who wins and who lost and who loses. Life is about a choice. The choices that we make are our realities we walk in the next day the choices that we make today are the realities we walk in tomorrow. The Bible says, choose you this day whom you serve. Do you know Jesus lived for one reason? That was to do the will of his father. Can you see him at the age of 13? He celebrates his bar mitzvah because every Jewish boy and every Jewish girl at the time that they turn of age, 12 years old, they have a boy, a bar mitzvah, and a girl, a bat mitzvah. And so here's Jesus. He celebrates his bar mitzvah, and this is a caravan of of Many of the relatives, perhaps for days, they were on this caravan to go to worship in Jerusalem. And I can see Jesus, he's, he has the Passover, he's, he's now becoming a man, and the scriptures say that he was lost. He was gone for days. Now, before parents say, well, how can dare the parents lose Jesus for days? You have to understand, in those days, there was a big caravan. There was a lot of people. You know, you, some of you families know. You've got like, you're quarantined, and there's like 57 up you up up in the house. And you're like, we're quarantined up in here. And it's not six. It's like 66, because that's homes in which we live, some of us who have larger families. But Jesus had had this caravan with his family, and he had been lost. And he had been gone for days. And when his mother finally found him, she said in the scriptures, son, where have you been? And Jesus said in a remarkable statement, he said, know ye not that I must be about my father's business? Translation, I'm living to do the will of him who has sent me. See him sitting at the curb of Jacob's well and the disciples come to him and they say, master, eat. He doesn't respond. They say it again, they say, Master, come and eat. And again, no response. And finally he says, I have need to eat that you know not of. My meat, my will, my purpose is to get from that lost column to that wind column, and the way I get to the wind is to do the will of him who has sent me. See him kneeling in the shadows of Gethsemane, moments before the cross. His feet are at the door still of the house of death. Sweat like drops of blood are dripping down his sacred brow. The sins of the world, your sin and my sin, have been pinned upon our Savior from Calvary. And he's hanging on that cross, excruciated, a mass of bloody flesh. And he screams to his Father, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. There's a silence there's no response. Why? Because from the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God, according to Genesis 3, was destined to die. All the way back when the seed of the woman, being Jesus, would crush the head of the serpent and recognizing it wasn't possible that he must press through even to the excruciating death at Calvary's cross. Guess what he said? He said, I'm going to get out of the W column and I'm going to get to the, I'm going to get out of the L column, I should say, and I'm going to get to the W column because I'm going to surrender my will for God's will. And at that moment, when he surrendered it all down and he laid it down, when Satan was called the roaring lion, you know what he did? He went to the back aisles of hell, drinking Maalox, singing Born to Lose. Because when Jesus Christ said, God, your will be done once and for all, he created a, a universe of kingdom-minded men and women from all kindred, all tribe, all tongue. And now he's got his sons and his daughters, heir apparents parents to the throne who no longer live and loss after loss after loss, but they go from victory, glory, unto glory because of our God is an overcoming king. You see, this is what I'm talking about to get the victory. You have to get that in your lips, even though you feel like you're losing. It's what Jennifer said earlier. You have to speak out the word of God in faith because it's on the lips of the church fathers as they were led to the chopping blocks. Not because, I mean, our, our forefathers, our fathers 70 years ago, they battled Normandy. They, they, they rushed the, the, the Axis arm of evil and they took down a Fuhrer that had, a, had the world on his mind to conquer. All we're being asked to do is sit on the couch and watch Netflix you think you could do that today for the kingdom of God? I think many of you are doing very well. I think you're accomplishing the task of staying home. Now, think about this, because if, if the church fathers, if they were proposed with, with this great a cloud of witnesses, in other words, if they had come down, the prophets of old, Elijah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if they had come down and said, if you stand for Jesus, then you're going to receive the crown of life. I think they would have had victory on their mind immediately, but they weren't told that. As a matter of fact, for 70 plus years, they had known that the Messiah had went up to heaven, but they hadn't seen the Lord. And now the first century church is being persecuted. And the first century church is being tested under fire what their faith is going to be like. And they're losing many battles. And I can see these great men of God that have called upon the name of the Lord for their salvation in prayer meeting after prayer meeting, asking for God to bring them a swift victory so their heads wouldn't be But the Bible says something interesting. Even though they thought they were going to lose their ultimate game called life and lose that life, the scriptures tell us something amazing, that they love not their lives unto the death. So what I'm telling you today, friends, this is the least we can do, but yet it's the most we can do. You know, nothing takes the place of absolute surrender to the will of God. Nothing takes the place of absolute surrender to the will of God. King Saul, like many Christians today, he tried to buy the goodwill of God, substituting his obedience for an offering. And Samuel came to the king and said, behold, it's better to obey than to sacrifice. You don't hear messages today on the positive power of obedience. But I can assure you, we have to teach obedience in the playpen before we teach it up to him in the state pen. Because delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. In other words, if you know to do the will of God and you don't do the will of God, how many of you have ever been guilty of that? Some of you watching have both hands and a foot up. If you know to do the will of God and you don't do the will of God, that's disobedience. Or if you know to do the will of God and you continue to pray about the will of God, that prayer is an act of rebellion against the sovereign will of God. Here's why. Because God's will always brings you to your highest destiny in life. Do you want to achieve your highest destiny and get out of the L column and get to the win column? Get to the game of life and become victorious? Then you got to say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Now, there's an amazing story in the Scripture about the Virgin Mary. Many of you know the story, but I'm going to repeat it for those who haven't heard it. The Virgin Mary is talking to an angel about being the mother of Jesus. Now, this angel is no ordinary angel. The Scriptures say this angel is Gabriel. This Gabriel angel is what the Scriptures call an archangel. That's why I declare over you that are watching that angelic activity has been increased around you and your home today. It's been increased around your business. It's been increased around your finances because the angelic forces of, of heaven are greater than the angelic forces of hell. What's for you is greater than anything that will ever be against you. And she's talking to Gabriel. Now, Gabriel's not a normal angel. Gabriel is an archangel. Gabriel is a warring angel like Michael is. So you have to get out of your mind that these angels are, are like on the, on the on the little TP commercial, the, the little cute baby with the, the little baby is a little chubby baby with halo and a pamper, you know, had the little pampers on, a little halo. That's not the angels at all in the scriptures. As a matter of fact, many people have said, Lord, let me see an angel, let me see an angel. God, I'm praying to see an angel. Can I tell you, dear friend, if you prayed for an angel to visit your room and God showed you exactly what they looked like, you would be the one needing the pampers. That's why you bought all that toilet paper. See, I knew there was a reason, but I think there's something so important about when God sends visitations and shows up. And this angel Gabriel shows up and talks to Mary. She's an 18 year old Jewish girl and says, Mary, you're going to have a child. And that which is born in you is going to be the holy one that God has sent. Do you know Mary could have told Gabriel, no, thank you. No, thanks. I, I don't want any of that. You know, I don't want that ridicule. I don't want them counting my birth of that boy on their fingers and those numbers of those months aren't adding up. I, I, I don't want the ridicule I'm going to get in the, in the Jewish league. I'm the, I don't want that ridicule of what's going to happen. You know, she could have told the Gabriel, the angel, forget it. If you think my son is going to be born in a cave, if you think he's going to be crucified with criminals, if you think he's going to be hated by the government, and if you think he's going to be hated by the, by the people that came, he came to save, I don't want no part of it. But do you know what Mary said to get out of the lost column, to get to the win column? She said, be it unto me according to thy word. Translation, God, I don't understand what's going on, but your will be done. Can I ask you this question? Here's a Bible trivia for you. Do you know who Mary's best friend is? No. You don't. You can go anywhere on the planet and the Virgin Mary is better known than kings, presidents, and prime ministers. Why? Because one 18-year-old Jewish girl said, God, not my will, but your will be done. Now here's the truth of it. Here's Here's the reality of it. God will not force us to do his will to get out of that lost column, but he will put you in a position were what I call reviewing options. Can I give you some illustrations this morning how that happens? Let me give you two real quickly. First, there's Jonah. Jonah's a prophet. And God wants Jonah, the prophet of God, to go down to Nineveh and preach the gospel. So any good prophet of God, if they're told by God to do something, you would think victory's on the way. But what does Jonah do? Jonah rebels against God. Jonah gets a ticket going the exact opposite way God told him to go. And as a result of Jonah getting on the boat in rebellion, God threw Jonah overboard and Shamu came and swallowed him up. And now Jonah is in the middle of Shammu's belly. And God says, Jonah, let's review your options. Didn't I tell you to go to Nineveh and preach that gospel? Jonah, if you say yes, I'll have mercy on you. I'll get you out of the lost column. I'll get you in the victory column. I'll cause Shamu to get seasick and spew you out right on shore. But if you say no, Jonah, you're going to be a loser forever. You're coming out the other end. You know, it takes Jonah about three verses, and guess what he says? I'd love to go to Nineveh, God. Sounds like a great place. I'm on my way. But he could have said no. Just like many of you watching, when God starts to prompt you through the Spirit, God starts to tell you, sow a seed in the midst of famine. Honor people in the midst when you don't feel so good. Get a, a person of grace, even though they betrayed you and lied about you and lied to you. Be a person of excellence when everybody else is slacking off. You see, that's how you get from the, from the loss to the victory. That's how you can win while losing. I think about that when the Apostle Paul The Bible says he had this crazy moment with God. And some of you, I declare over you in this time of separation from your normal day-to-day life that God gives you a crazy outpouring of his spirit. That God just downloads to you such supernatural things that he just gives you such peace in the midst of a storm. He gives you such prosperity in the midst of famine. I mean where Bill Gates could starve to death in the living room uh, 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 of Warren Buffett. But it's not going to happen to you, beloved, because God has said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed out begging for bread. You have an opportunity right now to get a victory in the midst of a loss. I think about that because here's Paul. He has this dramatic moment with God. His name is is Saul. And God knocked him off the horse. He was the persecutor of Christians. He was killing Christians. He was going around murdering those who had became followers of the faith. And God knocked him off his horse, struck him blind, and said, Paul, you're brilliant. You're aggressive. You're a type A personality, Paul. You're my type of guy. But Paul... I want you to go preach the gospel around the world. I want you to go and endure hardship. I want you to know that you're going to be imprisoned. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be flogged. You're going to be shipwrecked. You're going to be abandoned. You're going to be bitten by vipers. You're going to be rejected. God says, I want you to do all that for me, Paul. But if you say no, I'll cause you to get down on Main Street and you can be blind as a bat asking for help because the Bible says God struck him blind. You know what Paul said? In the midst of all that uncertainty, thinking he had lost so much, he said, Who art thou, Lord? And what would you have me to do? Translation, I'd love to do thy will. Now, here's the $50,000 question. Is it possible for a Christian to be saved and outside the will of God? Yes. Yes. The Bible says everything that can be shaken will be shaken. You're going to see a lot of so-called Christians in this time of sifting be funneled right out. You're going to see a time right now where things that can be shaken will be shaken. And you're going to see the cream rise to the top. Is it possible for a Christian to be saved and outside the will of God? Yes, absolutely. Many people are. Many people are saved. They're born again. They're on their way to heaven. But they never get out of the lost column to the win column because they never surrender their will to God's will. You see, God has a perfect will for you. But if you don't find it and you don't surrender to it, you'll never rise to your highest point of usefulness in the kingdom of God. In closing, as, as Chris and the team come, God's will for our life in closing is three-dimensional. Real quickly, if you're taking notes, I want you to think about Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says that you and I can prove what is the good will of God. We can prove how to get out of the loss column and get to the win column, to get the victory. The Bible says we can prove it because there's a good, acceptable, and a perfect will of God. And then many people ask, well, Joey, how can I know the perfect will of God? Because I've had Christians all my life, but especially in times of trouble, in times of losses, Say, Joey, is this God's will? I'll address that in just a moment. Is this virus God's will? Is this calamity God's will? Is this purging out of certain things God's will? And I'll address God's perfect will and God's permissive will so you can understand the difference between the two. The Bible says that we can prove what is the good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. You say, well, how will we know that? First, the way we know it is through his word. You see, God will never tell us anything that goes outside his word. And that's important in this time to study God's word. Not like a, a scholar on a sabbatical, but like a soldier on a mission. Be a soldier on a mission about the kingdom business. Be aggressive when it comes to the things of God. Don't relent when it comes to his word and his promise. Don't give up because things got tough. Don't give up because you think it's not going to work out the way you thought it. You know, God's miracles come in some strange packages. I'm a miracle, and look how strange I am. I'm a strange package, but for such a time as this. So you know the will of God through his word. And secondly, through those circumstances. You see, God is sovereign, and he controls the circumstances of a believer's life. He does not control the circumstances of everybody's life, but he controls the circumstances of a believer's life. You say, well, I don't believe that. Then ask yourself the question about Joseph. Who put Joseph in the pit? Who put Joseph in the prison? God did. But who put Joseph in the palace? God did. God orchestrated every step for Joseph. And Joseph, when he got to the end, out of that loss, out of that loss to that breathtaking victory to save Egypt and all of the free world, guess what he understood? That God was too loving to be unkind and he was too wise to make a mistake. And at the end of it, he said, you meant these things for evil, but Jehovah meant them for good. You see, what's happening around you is no match for what's inside of you. What was meant to destroy you, God's gonna use it at an accelerator to take you to his divine will and his divine purpose. You have to realize that today. So you take the word of God, evaluate it with those circumstances and be absolutely accelerated with peace. Be a person right now in this difficult time of peace. The Bible says he, God, will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed upon thee. The world may be shaken. Things may be upside down. Right is wrong. Wrong is right. Things are maybe a little bit hectic right now. But I, I know this. In the midst of not understanding, you could be at peace. In the midst of circumstances, you don't dictate to them. You you don't let them dictate to you, you dictate to them. And you and I can still be at peace. So think about this for just a moment. God wants you in the victory lane. He wants you to win in life. But you don't get the victory without some losses. So in this difficult moment that we're all in it, and we're all in it together, let me encourage you that no matter what you're going through, it's no match for what the Holy Spirit has put inside of you. So I think about those who are watching right now who are full of anxiety, those who have had panic attacks, everything, ever since this virus has happened. I declare over you today that the panic attacks stop right now. And the Bible says in Psalms chapter 3 that he will let you lie down and have rest so that you have had nightmares over the last two weeks. And I'm telling you tonight, as you lay your head down, the Holy Spirit will give you a sweet night of rest. Better than your postopedic could ever give you, the Holy Spirit will give you rest. I canceled out the assignment of Satan over all four forms of fear over everyone that's watching right now. The man that's watching, the woman that's watching, that's concerned over their business right now. Lord, let them be encouraged that they're seed sowers, and no matter what they're facing, no matter what the turn may be, they're going to bounce right back because you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. Father, I declare right now those who are struggling with their, with their emotional state right now, I just declare sweet peace to sweep over them right where they're watching. Let the spirit of the whole the Holy One. Overwhelm them and engulf them right now. Those of you that are battling sickness right now, I just ask that you would just, wherever that ailment is, just touch it wherever it's at right now. Lord, we declare healing over heart issues right now. We declare healing, Lord, over those who think they're losing over arthritis. They think they're losing over pain. They think they're losing over loss. They think they're losing, Lord, but in fact they're going to win because they've surrendered their will to you. They've surrendered Render their will to the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you right now for those that are watching that are being strengthened by my words right now, because they're not my words. They're your words and you're giving them strength. You're giving them hope. You're giving them encouragement. Lord, I declare over them right now that they would sing the songs of heaven in the midst of difficulty and they would rise, Lord, to the divine destiny. Father, I declare over them right now that the weapons that have been formed against them will not prosper and everything that has tried to rise against them, though they have fallen, they shall rise back up again. That the righteous fall seven, but he may get up, she may get up one more time. Let's just take a moment all wherever you're watching and let's worship together as a family. Holy Spirit, we love you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. this wonderful spirit and there's no distance in prayer and the Holy Spirit is with you wherever you're at today. Are you watching right now and you're fearful? The Bible says perfect love cast out all fear. Why are you worried and downcast? The scriptures say, oh my soul, hope thou in God. So those of you that are watching right now, I want to pray for you. Maybe you put your hope in other things only to be let down. I'm going to encourage you right now to put your hope in God. The one who will never leave you, who will never forsake you, even to the ends of the earth. So can we pray together? Wherever you're watching, I want to pray with you. And I want you to say this prayer with us that are here, the worshipers, myself. And I want you to know today that God has you in the palm of his hand. And no one can snatch you out of his hand. The gates of hell shall not prevail against you. And the storms of life, they shall not conquer you. You're in the mighty hand of God. And the Holy Spirit is calling you unto himself right now. And so I want you to just say this prayer with me. And if you're watching, say it out loud. Let's say it together. Heavenly Father, today I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. I receive Jesus. Forgive me of all of my sins. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Today I receive The ultimate win even though I feel like I'm losing I can be in the greatest place of peace because of you I receive you in Jesus name amen now if you said that prayer I want you to type it write it let us know right now we want to pray for you we want to pray for your family I want you to let our prayer request go right now We're going to end our time this morning with the worship team and they're going to just sing over you. And wherever you're watching right now, I want you to know what's happening and I want to say this very clearly. What's happening is not God. I want to make this very, very clear. The virus, the circumstances, God would not put death and punishment on anybody. The Bible says we're not appointed to suffer wrath. We're under the grace of Almighty God. And what you need to understand... All things are permissive, but not all things are perfect. All things are under God's permissive will because God has two wills, but not all things are under His perfect will. But the Bible says He will keep you and I in perfect peace. We can live under the shadow and the shelter of the Most High. We can rest in the shadow of the Almighty because I have said, along with you, He is the Lord. He is my fortress. He's my God and whom I'm trusting in. He's saving me from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He's covered me with his feathers and under his wings I found my refuge. His faithfulness has been my shield and my rampart so I will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day. Nor the pestilence destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but I have only seen it with my eye, the punishment of the wicked, because I've made the most high my dwelling place. For no harm comes before me, no disasters near thy dwelling. For he has commanded his angels to take charge of me and protect me in all my ways. Because that's security that's only found in our Father, and there's none like him. Hallelujah!